Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast. This is episode 17, the nanny episode. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to stop feeling mentally miserable in the process. You know what to do and you are doing it, all while holding down the fort at home, but you are weary from living in survival mode and battling with your brain. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. If you are ready to thrive, then you are in the right place. Our battle buddy moment today comes from Camille, and she says, Working with Simply Resilient Life Coaching was transformational. Jesse is very intuitive and connected to be able to help each person work through any type of struggle or happening in life. I left her sessions feeling stronger and better prepared to understand my struggles and to make them right. I felt empowered to do what was required to create the life I want and deserve. Jesse is the best, and I'm so glad I was able to work with her. Thank you so much for that review, Camille. I really appreciate it. So this episode that I'm calling the nanny episode, I've actually had just a few requests for this type of an episode. And I just want to kind of tell you guys the story of why I decided to get a nanny during my husband's last deployment and how it all went down. So I'm just going to start by telling you about when I first decided to get a nanny, I was just scrolling on Facebook one day and I saw an advertisement for getting a, an au pair. And I thought, hmm, that's an interesting idea. Having a young girl live with us while my husband's deployed, that could be really great. But I started to look into it and doing it through this organization was pretty restrictive and we had to follow all their rules and it cost a lot of money. And it was for full-time childcare. And I didn't need full-time childcare because I'm a stay-at-home mom. I do have um, two online businesses. I sell children's squeaky shoes on eBay and Amazon. And I have my life coaching practice. And so I do really enjoy having some childcare, but I definitely didn't need full-time hours. But it just was the crack I needed to have my brain start thinking, how interesting would that be if I had regular, consistent childcare? And... At this time, I was really exploring all of these mind management tools and realizing that I could make this deployment be anything I wanted it to be, rather than just what I thought it had to be of, we'll get through it, we'll go into survival mode, we'll hunker down, and when we get to the other side, then we can start living again. It was sort of what my lower brain was offering me at the time. And so I just started to push back and say, well, what if I got a nanny? What if I, at, at this time, I didn't have my life coaching practice yet, but I thought, you know, what if I am able to start new things and work on my business and um, go on trips and um, sleep in and just have a lot of regular help instead of kind of being at my wits end all the time? And I told my husband about my idea and I started to talk about it with people a little more and it became more real and more normal. And I started to take action of looking for a nanny. And I first exhausted kind of personal connections and resources by just putting it out there on Facebook. And I talked with a couple of girls that it just wasn't going to quite work out for uh, scheduling wise or you know, with the living arrangements, because I did decide that I wanted to do a live-in nanny. That was just a little easier for my brain to wrap around as far as the cost goes, because it was feeling like a very um, extravagant 
gift I was going to give myself that we had not built into our budget to just pay for childcare. And so I was looking for someone who was willing to live with me to offset the cost of having the childcare because we had a guest room with its own bathroom and we even had a car if someone needed it because my husband's car would be here all year while he was gone. And so I was just really hoping to find a good fit like that. Now, I know that I would have been able to easily find a college student who would have been great, but we do live, we live about a half an hour from a couple of different major colleges and universities. And that's just too big of a commute for a lot of these students. And so while I did interview a couple, we couldn't quite find one that was the right fit. So I knew I had to kind of broaden kind of who I was looking for. So I felt like my personal connections had been exhausted and I knew that I was going to have a really hard time finding a college student. And so the next thing I did was actually get on a website called care.com. And I joined, they have a little membership that you pay for in order to access all their people and put your profile up there. And I was able to put in my specific search criteria. Now, they didn't really have a way for me to say willing to be a live-in nanny, but I was able to put in a bunch of other specific search criteria. And I was able to bring up 500 nannies within 10 miles of me that would be, that are available to be my nanny. And then I went through and messaged the ones that looked the most promising to me and talk to them about my specific needs of wanting a live-in nanny. Anyway, I'm going into some detail on this part because sometimes if we're not even sure how to go about doing it, it just feels like an impossible task. So I am going a little bit into detail here so you can see just the steps I took to accomplish this. So within a couple of weeks, I probably messaged maybe 300 of those 500 women. Some I ruled out because they stated pretty clearly, like they had their own kids, they wouldn't want to be a live-in nanny or, you know, things like that, that kind of showed me just from their profile that what I was looking for wouldn't work. But pretty much everybody else, I just messaged. So out of those maybe 300 people I messaged, I probably got 40 interested replies. And out of those 40 replies, I set up about 10 interviews after kind of weeding them down a little bit even more. And I'm sure a lot of the people I messaged just weren't even active on care.com anymore and that's fine. But so out of the 10 women that I ended up meeting with or at least talking on the phone, um, it came down to two that I was really excited about. And there were kind of pros and cons to both of them. And I was debating and trying to figure out what would be best. And I was able to talk to my husband about it and pray about it. And we picked the one that I really felt like would be the best fit for our family. And her name is Amber and she's amazing. And another funny part of that story is she was really excited to live with us and do it as well. But a few days after I offered her the job and she accepted, she messaged me back saying, oh, I'm not sure if it's going to work out. Some things had come up for her. (laughs) And at that point, I just wouldn't let her not come do it. I was so excited that I had found the person and I knew she would be great and I, I knew we were all going to love it that I just said, you know, tell me what the problem is. Let's work it out. Like, let's get this figured out. And I basically just talked her out of her concerns <laughs> and kind of forced her to come be my nanny, which we laugh about now. So that's kind of the story of how I got my nanny. And then she actually moved in. She ended up living with us a little over a year because she moved in a little bit before my husband left and stayed on with us a little bit after he got home. Um, I actually emailed a few questions to Amber, who she and I are still great friends and, and in contact with each other, to kind of get her take on some of this. So one question that I asked her was, how did you feel about being asked to be a nanny for a family going through a deployment? 
And she replied, at first I was really nervous. I knew the kids and you would be missing Brad. I didn't want to replace him, but I wanted to be a positive addition to the family, a helper, confidant. It felt awkward at first because I couldn't fix it. Some children were easier to bond with than others, and I knew it was because I wasn't their dad. I wanted to be included in as much as possible, but knew I wouldn't fully understand because I wasn't blood-related family. Another question that I asked Amber is, anything you want to share about what you learned being our nanny while we went through this experience? And she said, love is the catalyst of every change. Jesse, you are one of the most resilient, loving, kind human beings I know. The sleepless nights, the parenting on your own amazes me. I learned that love truly can help with any situation. I learned the value of conversations and thinking before you speak. I learned that time is precious and to soak in the little things. I learned to truly listen to truly listen for the sake of listening, not to have a response. I learned that family is everything. If you have each other, you can do hard things. I learned the value of work. Each child had expectations that were met with consequences or rewards based on choices. I learned that I want to be a mother like you. I learned how much you love your husband and how you two work as a team to raise your six beautiful children. I learned to make God an integral part of each and every decision. I learned to not sweat the small stuff and I learned the art of breathing. I learned the art of play and to allow myself permission to be silly. I learned that traditions will be remembered forever. I learned that while I'm not living there anymore, that I will always be family. And you absolutely will, Amber. Thank you for sharing that. Um, As I was pondering making this episode, I was spending some time thinking what I was able to do because I had a nanny. And here are a few of the things that it accomplished for me that were so powerful. I, number one, was able to take time for myself. And at the beginning of having Amber in our home, I kind of was using her in a really enjoyable, indulgent way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But after a couple of months of using her time, I I would schedule her to be on one morning a week where I got to use my morning how I wanted to. And I would mostly sleep in and just stay in bed and relax, which I think it can be really great. Um, Then I would also schedule her for several different evenings when we had, um, you know, dinner and homework and our extracurricular activities. I would schedule her about 20 hours a week. And that was what we traded. We traded room and board. So basically rent and food and bills and the use of Brad's car um, for for 20 hours of work a week. And I also gave her a small a small weekly stipend. Anyway, um, so at first I used her in a really, especially that one morning off that I had in a really kind of enjoyable way. And that was very fun for a little while, but I quickly realized that there was much I wanted to accomplish. And that if I wanted to accomplish it, I needed to be a little more strategic about how I used my morning off or my evenings off. And I started to dream bigger and I started to realize um, I could be going to the temple every week. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and we um, have temples that even if you're not a member, you're probably aware of. And as members of our church, who, if we carry temple recommends, we're able to go do service and work in the temples. And as a mom of young kids, just living kind of a normal, busier life, I am definitely not getting to the temple as often as I desire to. And the most aggressive, if that's the right word, the most um, optimistic goal I was ever really able to set and maintain was to go about once a month, which is totally amazing. And, And not even a lot of people aren't even able to do that because they don't have temples close to them. But I live in a place where there are a lot of temples, so I'm able to get to one close to me and really easily. Anyway, um, 
I started setting pretty, pretty big goals and I decided I wanted to go to the temple every week while Brad was gone. Now he'd already been gone maybe like a month. So I, you know, I, I didn't go the, the first several weeks, but pretty much for the rest of the time he was gone, I would use that morning off or I would schedule her for two mornings sometimes where I would have one where I slept in and the other morning I would get up and go to the temple. And it was so such a beautiful thing to increase my temple attendance and really enjoy that, that goal that did not feel possible to me. While my husband was gone, it just felt so good to make myself a huge priority, which I do in my normal life. But when he's away and I feel like so much more is being asked of me, I do feel like I'm kind of the first one to go on the list of priorities. And so it was a really beautiful thing to be able to keep myself high on my list of priorities, even while he was gone. Another really important thing that having a nanny allowed me to accomplish was I made tons of meaningful time for my older children. Now we have, I've told you this before, we have six kids and I kind of had, I group them. I have the four older kids and then the two toddlers. And when he left, really my two toddlers were two babies. My youngest was maybe um, eight months old, I believe. And my second to youngest was, had just turned two. And two babies is an armful, two armfuls. <laughs> and when they are around, they take up most of me and my older, more independent kids who are not the squeaky wheels, they kind of have to step up, which I know is good for them. But I wanted to make sure that weekly or maybe every other weekly at that rate that I was able to set up an intentional experience that we could all go do together without the babies. Because I'm a different mom. I'm a different version of myself when I'm just with my older kids. And I can be relaxed and funny and silly and and just really enjoy the moment and soak up that time with them. And what's interesting about that is my husband is definitely the fun one in our marriage. I am responsible and resourceful and organized and nurturing and efficient and all these amazing things that are a great contribution to our family. And my husband is some of those things as well. And I can be fun sometimes, but our strengths definitely lie in him being the adventurous one, the creative one, the fun one. And so when he's gone, I definitely feel that pressure of like, oh no, now who will take my kids on adventures and have fun with them? And so I knew it just needed to be me. I was the one. And when I take all six of my kids somewhere, not so much anymore, but for sure when the babies were both little, it was just all about the babies. And it was all about going as fast as possible to get back home to where I could control my environment more and control the crying and have the babies in bed when they were tired. And so if if I took all six of my kids, even just out to a restaurant, it was okay, everyone hurry and eat because the babies are crying and throwing food on the ground. And let's just all hurry and leave. But if I take just my four older kids out, even just just to a restaurant or to a movie, we're able to sit and relax and enjoy ourselves and have stimulating conversation and and bond. And I love being that version of me. And it's just a little bit, I'm, a, I'm able to be that version of me even when I have all six of my kids, but it's just a little bit harder to, to find her. A lot more work to find her when I have all six of them at once because of the variety of needs that are before me, particularly when my husband's not there. Um, another thing along with that is I love the version of me that I am when I'm just with my babies because I can go to their world and I can just focus on their needs. And so like when my kids are at school, I get a dose of that every day and I love it. I love just being in baby world and it's it can be just so simple and so sweet and so silly and 
I love kind of being in one world or the other, and it's hard for me to be in both at the same time. Okay, another question that I asked Amber was, what do you love about being a live-in nanny versus having your own place? And she said, I actually prefer being a live-in nanny because of the added bonuses of not having rent or utilities or food to worry about. I also love that I was always welcome to participate in family activities, but was not ashamed if I didn't. It was an invitation, but never a requirement. I love that I always had a buddy waiting to play or talk to me, show me something or need my love or help. I loved being needed and tried to be a positive addition to any situation. And then I asked Amber, what is challenging about being a live-in nanny versus having your own place? So kind of the other side of the coin. And she said, I think the most difficult challenge was the testing of authority from the kids and them thinking things like, I'm not going to listen to you when you're not in charge from the older kiddos, really. Um, I also didn't always know what to say to comfort kids in emotional pain. I want, And I wanted to be liked. So those are some of the things that made it hard about living with us rather than just kind of showing up, doing her shift per se, and then and then going back home. Um, some of the things, if I were to be answering those questions as well, I loved having her live with us because um, I never had to worry about like her commute or being late. I just knew where she was and that when she was on, she was there and ready. And I loved how well it fit into our budget. It was a very small expense for us because I was able to use those resources that were just already sitting there of our, our guest room and you know the food we're already shopping for and cooking and eating and the utilities and things like that. So it was a really efficient use of our budget. And I loved that my kids were so comfortable and familiar with her. And I loved that I never really had to catch her up on what was going on. She just always knew because she lived with us. She had a beat on what we were always up to and kind of where kids were and if someone was sick. And um, it was also really nice that I knew that she was at home and comfortable, that she felt at home and comfortable And I just knew that was kind of an added perk of being my nanny was that she was, she was home. She wasn't away at work. Um, Some of the challenging parts of having a live-in nanny versus one who lives in their own house is I don't know if as adults we are used to kind of living with roommates again, because that's what it felt like at times. Um, It kind of felt like two different hats where I was kind of like her boss and she was my nanny at times of the day, depending on her shifts. And then we kind of went to that roommate role for the rest of it, where we had to just, you know, be friends, which was the easy part, but also negotiate just different things with schedules and and eating and boundaries. And we we were able to navigate it all. And I was so impressed with the way um, Amber and I were both able to just speak up when anything was not going well or was a struggle for us. And Amber was so good at taking like just my constructive criticism, if that's the way you want to say it. I If I noticed something, I made a goal for myself right at the beginning to not let it like fester inside me. I would just tell her the problem and she knew that I would do that. So she was never really worried about me like having some big problem I wasn't telling her about. Um, And so I was able to, you know, make little adjustments and things and give her advisements and tips about how I wanted her to handle things. And she would just say, oh, thanks for letting me know. Sounds great. And she would just implement it. And it was a really stress-free way for us to manage that relationship. Um, I definitely prefer living with my husband or living with Amber. No offense, Amber, but um, she knows that. And that's totally fine. Um, I It was fun having roommates when I was young, but my favorite roommate is definitely my husband. So, but all of that was so worth, and uh, not even that hard, but it was so worth the benefit of having her and having her in our home. 
Um, I asked her if there were any other funny or meaningful stories that she wanted me to share. And she said, oh, so many. The birthday parties, the holidays, making a homemade slip and slide, the animal game, the I love you because at the dinner table on Valentine's Day, Sunday dinners, FHE, helping you organize snuggling during movies so many but this is my fondest one and she shared that when she came she says when I came for my interview initially and met five-month-old baby Hannah I knew I was going to be her nanny I adored her right away I needed that sweet baby to heal the hole in my heart about not being married or having my own children yet Jesse says I saved her life last year but in reality she and her children saved mine Oh, Amber, I love you. I'm so glad that I was able to do this episode and share some of your sentiments as well. I have one more kind of nanny related thought for you. And then my hot mess moment is a funny story that happened between me and Amber when she was living here. So my my final nanny thought for you is um, I have this concept that I've been using in my mothering for a long time. And I don't know if you guys have ever watched the show Super Nanny. I don't even know if it's on anymore, but it used to be on. And it's basically this really awesome British nanny who comes into these disastrous homes. And it's a reality TV show. And she observes these families and all the horrid behaviors that the children are exhibiting and the horrid way that the parents are handling it. And it's all really dramatic and enjoyable to watch. And it really... um, from a maybe an unhealthy perspective makes you feel a lot better about your parenting because you think, oh, at least I'm not as bad as they are, (laughs) which anyway, I know is the way it's portrayed on the show is I'm sure not accurate of what's totally happening in their home. But um, what the super nanny would always do was she would just pick one or maybe two things to work on with the parents. Like she's been watching the behavior, you know, over days, which on the TV show is maybe 20 minutes and there's a lot going wrong. And so the parents are overwhelmed and you as the viewer are overwhelmed for the parents. And then the super nanny says, we are going to tackle your, the way you do timeouts and the way you do your meal times." She would just kind of pick two really concrete things out of the whole list. And then she would say, okay, here's your new method for the way you do timeouts. And here's your new method. You got to follow this exactly for the way you're going to do your mealtimes. And when they do this, you're going to do this. And she just helped to make this whole game plan and all these decisions for how to handle these uh, harder scenarios that were going. And magically, everything in their lives would get better. And (laughs) it's so funny because it actually works, which is really interesting. It made for great TV, but I took that to into my life. And whenever I was feeling overwhelmed as a parent, feeling like everything's going wrong, nothing I'm trying is working. My kids are behaving so poorly and we just can't get through our day without like a ton of chaos. And this was mostly when I had like, when my four older kids were all younger. So like when my fourth was born, my oldest was five, uh, almost Oh no, let's see, five and a half, I want to say. Anyway, so for a few years, I had four little kids, which was really amazing. So we just had like a lot of crying, a lot of tantrums, a lot of timeouts, a lot of, you know, just issues like that. And I would super nanny myself is what I would call it. Whenever I would just get to a point where it seemed like nothing was working, that was when I knew. And now I would call that overwhelm. Whenever I would just get overwhelmed and I put on those lenses of see how nothing's working and I would build that evidence. I would make a list of every single thing in our day that was bugging me. Like, oh, I need to, you know, get Bruce out of his crib into a toddler bed. And I need to help, um, you know, this child with uh, the way they get dressed or 
I need this meal time to go better for this person, or we need to have them stop using pacifiers, or you know, get out of a high chair, or we need to spend more time outside, or we need. And I just wrote down every single little thing that was bugging me. Like if I could just make it all perfect, what it would look like, and then I would just identify like two or three things on that list that I could start doing right away, like perfectly. That I knew what to do, but I wasn't taking any action because I was so overwhelmed by the list. And I just said, I'm just going to ignore the rest of the list, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix my, you know, my timeouts and we're going to get outside every day and we're going to, you know, no more high chairs or whatever. I would pick three things that I could just start from that moment doing perfectly and really everything else felt better. Like all the other little things just started to kind of come together as well. And now I know having these tools, what that actually meant, what, what was happening inside my brain. But basically when I was overwhelmed, I just froze and I avoided and things got worse and it all seemed awful. And then when I was able to make that list and get a hold of a couple of things and start to feel hopeful and feel more intentional and start to think thoughts like, if I can get this under control, like everything's going to be okay which would lead me to those feelings of like, oh, I'm a good mom and and I'd feel confident and sure and intentional. And it would create those actions of of making all those things go a little bit better instead of kind of throwing my hands up and, and being overwhelmed and giving up. So that's been a fun little technique to apply. And if you have little kids, I or, or maybe big kids too, I don't know. I haven't done it so much recently, but I would just have you give that a try. Just write down everything bugging you, pick two, three things, and forget the rest and see what happens and just really dial in on those two or three things. So the hot mess moment that I want to share with you guys today is the last time my husband was deployed in 2013, um, I slipped in the snow and broke my leg. And so we're not very superstitious people. And so when we were getting ready for this deployment, we would just kind of tell little jokes like, well, this deployment will go fine because at least I won't break my leg, right? Like we would just tell little jokes like, as long as I don't break my leg, I think we'll make it through this one, you know? So about maybe two thirds of the way through the deployment, I did break a bone and it wasn't anything like the last time, but it's a pretty funny story. So I was in our laundry room trying to put a big Costco thing of toilet paper up on one of the higher shelves in the laundry room. And I looked around for my good step stool, like a two-step stool, and it wasn't there, but one of the little kid ones was that they use like in the bathroom. And so rather than going and getting my good step stool, I just used this dumb little kid one that has already been like broken and repaired. It was just really, really poor choices on my part. And yeah, anyway, so I get up on this little step stool and, you know, I'm weighing like 200 pounds. This is for children, not adults, let alone 200 pound adults. And I'm kind of getting up on my tippy toes. I just have to get it pushed up onto that high shelf. And suddenly I am down on the ground. So the stool cracked and rolled. It it was like all my weight was on this top part and it got, as I did that final push to get the toilet paper up there, it, the wood started to give and the whole stool rolled because it was off balance. And my body just kind of rolled down the stool. So I ended up with four or five large purple bruises all down my body, on my shoulder, my ribs, my hip, my thigh, and my calf, kind of all the way down as I rolled down that stool. And I had just, we keep our dogs, food and water bowls in the laundry room. I had just refilled those. And so I went into the food and water and it flew in the air and I'm sopping wet, just covered in dog food and water. I'm in so much pain. I'm still laying on the stool because it was just kind of still under me. 
And I'm just laying there totally stunned. I just can't even figure like for just a second, I can't even figure out what has happened. And I'm sort of a little out of breath because I kind of knocked the wind out of me. And it was all pretty awful. But um, the funny part is the person who heard me fall was Amber. And she comes like the laundry room door was shut. So I was in it with the door shut. So she opens the door and comes in and kind of freaks out a little bit and says like, oh no, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? And I just look at her <laughs> and I say, you've got to calm down because I can't help you right now. <laughs> right now. It was so funny. In the moment when she was kind of panicking, I thought I needed to like comfort her, which now obviously I can see like, she gets to panic. It's totally fine. Um, but I like scolded her. It was so funny. I pointed at her. I'm on the ground covered in dog food. And I just said, calm down, Amber. Like I got so mad at her. Oh, and it's kind of embarrassing, but that's why I'm telling you. And she obviously understood what was going on, but, um, or maybe not right in that moment, but later when we were able to talk about it and I was like, man, I'm real sorry. I scolded you. I just couldn't handle your panic right in that moment. And she wasn't sure how badly I was hurt. And, um, anyway, like I totally understand her panic, but in the moment I was feeling a lot of things. So Needless to say, she helped me get the stool out from under me and get to a more comfortable position and get the dog food cleaned up. She was amazing. And I was able to determine a little later that day that I had definitely broken a rib, which is super painful. I don't know if you guys have ever done that before. I do not recommend it. And um, she was amazing. And I was amazing too. We we're all amazing. And I also scolded her. So there's that. <laughs> Anyway, I wanted to share that hot mess moment with you guys and in honor of this nanny episode, because that was just one of our funny times together. We had so many funny times, which is what will happen with a year of living together. So thank you for being my nanny, Amber. And I just really want to uh, open your minds up to childcare, you guys. It's a really interesting concept, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom. Um, if, you, if you're a working mom, like you're already there, you're doing childcare, you're doing daycare, whatever it takes to have your job, which is great. But stay-at-home moms are often um, doing a home business or doing something. And they, I mean, even if you just schedule once a week for a few hours, if you don't have another job or something, it still allows you to take that intentional time for yourself. And I think all the years before this, I sort of thought like, oh, like I totally get why other people get childcare, but I don't need childcare. You know, I have this and that and I'm a stay at home mom, but man, having a nanny changed my life. And I don't have her anymore. My husband's home and that was always the plan was to just have her for the year. Um, but I do have consistent childcare again so that I can now work on my life coaching practice. And that has been a huge blessing. I'm able to have work days and non-work days and that helps me be more the mom I want to be and also the business owner I want to be. And I love that. So your mission for the week is to super nanny yourself when you're feeling overwhelmed and to just start to open your mind to the idea of consistent, regular childcare, whether that be part-time hours, one day a week, even one day a month. Just start to think about lining something up that you can count on every month to start opening your mind to different goals and ideas that you could do if you knew you had that childcare. I want to thank you guys so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode that I just recorded. And if this podcast resonates with you, please send an email to jessie, J-E-S-S-I-E at simplyresilient.net to schedule a free life coaching mini session and see if working with me would be a great fit for you. Remember that when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.